2: Welcome to the big payoff.
0: This is Rachel Bello. And I'm Suzanne Mushin. This is a new conversation about business.
2: We tackle all the personal stuff that really matters to you at work. I'm ready. Are you ready? ready? Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's go.
0: Rachel, today is a sad day for us because it's the last of this series, four-part series that we're doing about women and money, which started because we had a show with Michelle Smith, who is the founder of Source Financial. It rocked our world. We've done three shows since then with Michelle and her business partner, Amanda Steinberg, who's the founder of Daily Worth. And this is just a topic
2: on women and money that's allowed—it's a hub with so many spokes that we could do 50 shows. And I get the—you know, from the time we hooked up with Amanda, so to speak, um, I signed up. I subscribed to Daily Worth, as you should. And so I get my daily emails from Daily Worth. And I'm telling you, I it's one of—and I get a lot of RSS feeds. I get a lot of stuff in my— I. Always click on it. Always. And and it's never, you know, BuzzFeed. Clickbait. Clickbait. It's real. It's pithy. And
0: it's, it's fantastic. So on this week's show, we're asking the question, is your gratitude holding you back from getting what you deserve? And this relentless message, Rachel, that flooded my inbox right after the new year, everybody's grateful, everybody's mindful, everybody's meditating, everybody's trying to feel a sense of appreciation.
2: Fuck that. There's something not okay about pushing that mindset. You know who started it? Who? Who started the gratitude conversation in American culture? Oh, well, Oprah's Gratitude Diary. Yeah. Oprah, right? Oprah made it somehow shameful to not have a constant reflex of gratitude. This is what struck me the other day. So in the New York Times, you know, that that section on Sunday where Philip Galanis interviews people. Table for three. Table for three. It's and best, he yeah. interviewed Viola Davis and Edie Falco. And this, I'm going to read you this because it just knocked me back. I couldn't believe my eyes. This is what he said. Um. He's talking to Edie Falco, and he says, who was, you know, uh, Carmela in um, The Sopranos, and you've seen her. She's a wonderful actor, and she's very accomplished, very accomplished, and she's made it through the theater, and she was she's a real old-fashioned working actor. She didn't get a sudden break. So he says there's been a lot of talk about unequal numbers of roles for women and their pay. Have you been stung by that, Edie? She says, I don't know why I don't feel it personally. I'm tempted to judge myself harshly for it, but I can't get past the gratitude of doing something that I love. It doesn't mean there aren't steps to take to make things better. I don't know, maybe it's a poverty mentality thing. I walk past seven homeless people on the way home, and I'm going to complain that I'm not getting paid as much as a man? I'm going to get my butt kicked for saying that. Well, Yes, Edie, Edie. you are. And it's going to happen today because that is exactly what we're talking about.
0: And it's such a mixed message that we're sending. And so we're going to talk on this show about how to actually have appreciation and not be a thankless person, but to actually empower yourself in that process and not let it be something that stops you from from asking for what you want with the kind of power
2: that you don't have to apologize for. And even the focus is on, you know, the focus is on money here and gratitude for money and asking for what you've earned and what you have the right. As we know, and we say every time on this series, money doesn't really exist as itself. It is nothing but this amazing window to all the other stuff. And that's why we're so grateful that we have Amanda Steinberg and Michelle Smith here today because they know this better than anybody else. So we'll be back we're going to bring them into the studio we're going to return to the big payoff with
0: Rachel and Suzanne and Amanda and Michelle in just a moment Welcome back to The Big Payoff. We're talking today about whether or not having gratitude is holding you back. The the impulse that people are placing on you, that you're supposed to feel grateful all the time, is holding you back. What do we mean by that? So we have in the studio with us Michelle Smith and Amanda Steinberg, accomplished in their own right, Um Michelle Smith is the founder of Source Financial. Amanda Steinberg is the founder of Daily Worth. And together, they have a new company that's launching this year called Worth FM. So Michelle and Amanda, thank you. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm so appreciative that you're here today.
2: <laughs> so, so let's ask you directly in your experience. Is gratitude holding back, women especially, from getting what they want, getting what they deserve, and what they've earned?
3: So I don't think gratitude is necessarily a bad thing. I do like the expression that what you appreciate appreciates. I found that that's worked for me, but it's not a... Did you make that up? No. I wish I did, though. Oh, you should have just said yes. No one would have known. That's a tat. I want that tat. But uh, it's not a financial plan, and it's not going to take care of your life for you. It's not going to decrease your chaos if you're feeling out of control. It's not going to ensure that you have enough saved in cash for when you need it. It's... It's. I, th- I find it's helpful in times of stress. If you find that your head is spinning because you are fixating on the negative, it allows you to transition into a temporary positive, but it's not a solution. It's really just one emotional tool in your emotional toolbox, which sounds completely ridiculous, but you get my no, point. No, it's
4: good. But Amanda, when it comes to money and women, the dark side of gratitude carries a $1 million lifetime penalty. How so, do I get to that number? Yeah.
3: I want to quantify this. I I will absolutely. Okay, fine. So let me retract and perhaps revise my statement. Yes, I do find that when I, I've hired probably 100 people in the last 10 years, always having run my own businesses, and I do often find heavily, heavily weighted towards men. They say, thank you for the offer. I would like twice as much. And often the women say, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to have the job. And that like is Falco said, and I'm so like,
0: right. I feel so thankful to it. do
4: something I want to do.
0: The
3: biggest gender gap we have is asking.
4: Yeah. Uh, yes, we've talked it's about the this. bigger. So think about this. Your your twenty two year old man and a woman, starting salary for same job is forty thousand dollars. Woman accepts forty thousand. I'm so grateful, thank you. Man says so grateful, thank you. I want forty five. Gets forty five. Five thousand dollars more in pay from age twenty two to age sixty is thirty eight years. F- assume three percent normal raises every year for both people. Okay, That means that at age 60, she is now making $123,000 a year. Oh, He's God. making one forty, dollars And if he banked the $17,000 annual difference for 38 years, it's $1 million. If you don't think that the starting point in your life matters, that your first negotiation – is ask for more money, it's a $1 million lifetime penalty. That's a retirement plan. That right there, job number one. So whether you're in this audience and you're the mom watching your daughter go through this, if you're just starting out, if you're
2: 25, if you're 30, ask okay so uh, but michelle let, that's that's incredibly Mind, mind-blowing. mind-blowing and it i love the fact that you've quantified it because it's not a vague situation but i want to know this because i'm going through it with my daughter right now okay works at a big corporation I'm not going to name it viacom and she and she gets laid off because there are massive layoffs and they immediately rehire her as an independent contractor because she's really good okay. but they don't have to pay her insurance now and Right. So then they completely screw her over in terms of all kinds of other things. And she, meanwhile, when it's time for her to leave and they've screwed her over enough on a number of things, she's like, yeah, but I'm so, you know, they hired me back, mom. I mean, this is not generational. It is not.
4: It is not. Deloitte just did a study, fifth annual. Women millennials in the workplace and their number one complaint, and why they're going to leave their current employer in the next four years. I'm not put in the position of leadership enough. Well, ladies, let's stop thinking that if we work harder and longer, we're going to get noticed and promoted. So, where does this message come from, Michelle? Uh, This is again, we've been talking about this for how many shows? This is, these are the social constructs that place mental handcuffs on us from asking. It appears unfeminine. We're called the bitches in the workplace. We're called ungrateful. It's not feminine. It's a host of things. But it's entitled. But there's also there's also a bigger thing here, right? Negotiating is part of a man's life. Women view negotiating as incidents that they have to deal with.
0: Negotiate
2: anxiety just like money. Why is negotiating part of a man's
3: life and not part of a woman's life? Because, as we've seen um, uh, in Daily Worth, is that there is this very large and assumed social conversation that women are better when they exhibit selflessness. It is just just what it is. Women are valued. They're celebrated by their husbands. They're celebrated by other family members in their community when they do things for others, which essentially we see as martyrdom, but to them is is um, what gives them value. It's when they give themselves away that they create value and generate and feel love and acceptance.
2: And
4: women are relationship-driven and relationship-protective. We believe that if we assert like this, oh my God, what's the implication on my relationship with my boss, my coworker? We have this whole choir
3: of people. I would argue that men are relationship-driven as well. It's just manifest differently because of socialization. I wouldn't say it's necessarily genetic. I, I don't know I that disagree. men are relationship. Aren't I driven.
4: disagree. I disagree in this context. The protection over the relationship is a layer that is one of the extreme cautionary things about women not asking. We also use so many words, so many more words than men. It's like you know when when you, if you've ever had to fire somebody. Their brain turns off after you say, Absolutely. I'm letting you go. Right. That's actually all you have to uh, say.
2: And it's certainly the first thing you need it's to over. say. It's over.
4: Like you're not even absorbing yeah, yeah. information. But so, women managers will keep talking
2: yes, to try to help you feel or, better. Or make that last. So I really have appreciated, blah, 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 blah. Instead of saying, you know, they bury the lead, right? But Amanda, also this issue of, of nature versus nurture is really interesting. I, don't, I didn't hear Michelle saying that this is genetic. And yet it's pervasive. Would you agree that yes, that's true? Yeah.
3: absolutely. I, would, I, just, I think it's it's dangerous to assign something because of gender, because then it, it gives us a perception that we can't change it, and I don't believe that that's true.
0: I want to also rewind the tape a little bit to this question of feeling selfless, that being rewarded by society, by our families, and all of that. And it is true, I will say, when I hit the pillow at night, and I feel in any way anxious. Do you mean that literally
2: or when your head hits? The- <laughs> when
0: my <laughs> head hits the pillow. Um, I start ticking through a list because I feel anxious of all the people in my life who I am responsible for. And what might I have forgotten or what might they need or... I so rarely ask myself when I, my head hits the pillow, maybe this anxiety is because of something I need. Never zero
2: nights. Believe. It's so interesting. That checklist of people. Right. That's Don't exactly we all do that? what I do. Yes. I go down through the the checklist.
4: checklist. I've said it before. Ask a woman and a man the first three things they're going to do with a $50 million Powerball. Women are going to tick off random acts of kindness, paying for their kids this or that, getting rid of somebody's mortgage, and the guy's going to go buy a car.
0: I feel like we're being really harsh, you guys.
4: It feels really harsh to me. Like, I'm just
0: thinking. Uh, See me uh, (laughs) trying. Look at you. I'm willing to stand ah. behind this 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 perception of this conversation and you can challenge it. I'm feeling like if a guy were listening to this he might think that is really really sexist.
3: thoughts yes, that I yes I agree because I think well that it can be as you as you travel through generations and you get younger and younger I think we find less of this clear definition but we are in a transitional moment and that's why this is interesting and relevant right now because this is something that everyone's going through and no one quite knows how to navigate because there's no templates for it
2: you know in a previous show we were talking about the about things that are generational, but it, it in this I just want to say again, I am really noticing that the gratitude issue, and the fear of being seen as being entitled as a woman, or selfish, or or, or selfish, or or not being grateful enough, or a team player, or a team player is definitely at, true in the next generation. And what I try to, what I said to my daughter actually last week is, there's a difference between being gracious. And being grateful, you can actually stake a claim for what you deserve graciously. You don't have to go give it to me, goddammit. it. Well, being grateful is a good thing.
4: I, I I don't know that I'll I'll put gratitude. The dark side of gratitude is what we're addressing here, right. right? Right. And 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 let me tell you how this also plays out, right? So we just did like the entering the workforce, the million dollar penit- penalty for the dark side of gratitude. I see older women going through a divorce that are on a mission to become the best ex-wife he's ever left ever, and starting the conversation with things like, I don't want to be that person that asks for more than I need. I don't want, this plays out 20-year-old, 40-year-old, 60-year-old, gray divorce, silver divorce, blue divorce, white divorce. Women have the need to be liked in general. We don't want to be. So how do we do this? How do we
0: appreciate what we have and be grateful as an emotion when something good happens or something in your life does, in fact, go the way you were hoping without that
3: feeling weak? Well, I really think it comes down to where so many women are right now is is feeling like a boat that's just kind of floating in the tide as opposed to. Being the one who's actually steering agency, the ship in the yeah. direction that you want it to go. And that is the transitional moment. Are you floating in the tide or are you steering your own ship? And just be be comfortable with, start to understand the resistance that you have in terms of steering your own ship. And once you start to really investigate and evaluate that, all of everything is going to start to become clear to you. Because that's a really scary place for women to go. That is
2: so important. And it gets back to what Michelle was saying earlier about this is all about agency and about not having that subconscious passivity that says don't well, ask well, and i'm going to put myself in a position of being rewarded like good girl that that sen- if you have that sense of agency if you just picture that your life your career is a boat on a stormy seas you don't you don't think um do i have a right to turn left here i mean should i take this wave or so not i have, I, have a,
3: I want to add to this challenge though and raise the conversation even a little bit more because because dailyworth has been teaching this message for 7 years um, we have uh, i even have a lot of employees who are constantly asking me for raises or I'm in negotiating situations where they're over they're overstepping it and they are actually shooting themselves in the foot because it's not just about training yourself to ask and then going from a place of lack of power to power the agency part of this conversation is about being responsible for the whole situation and understanding how the game is played not just asking more because you think you should because you're a woman that's that's just as dangerous that's, as not asking for i enough. love that it's, you said that really, so how do you,
2: so what does taking responsibility look like in those instances?
3: Well, it's it's um it's just it's it's not about blindly asking for more money because you read in Daily Worth that you should ask for more money. It's understanding this is about what it means to steer your own ship. Who are you? What is your value and contribution as an employee? What are your other options? Don't be so afraid to go out and look for other options and see, you know, what how marketable you really are and use that as a conversation with another human being on the other side of the table in order to navigate that construction as opposed to just thinking you need to push, push, push your way through yeah. to more money because that yeah. can backfire. Yeah.
2: And more money is more responsibility. So when you're asking for more money, you're also asking for more responsibility. Yeah. I mean, it's,
4: it's again, the reflex, the the fear of asking, and even little things like, uh, you know, one way you can teach yourself the negotiating gene is if you're like a regular on-time payer for your credit card and you get a late fee, call the credit card company and ask for it to be waived. <sighs> Watch that one powerful step, that one little thing that gets this negotiation gene alive
2: and running. I did that with Bank of America, and you know what I felt? So grateful at the end of that phone call that I I wanted to kiss the guy on the other end of the phone. There you go. Instead of going, "Mm," except for he was very, very far away in India, most likely.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, Michelle and Amanda, this is wrapping up our final episode in the series. But hey, I think there's a lot more to come. From this, yeah, so hope so. Uh, We'll be back in just a few minutes, wrapping up this segment and sharing a couple of our thoughts on gratitude because I am so grateful. I'm for grateful you, for you,
2: Suzanne. <laughs>
0: see how we have to, but see how we have to joke about that. Rachel has to use what's that accent that you use, Peggy? You know, oh no, the cook, the chef. Yeah, do that for me, Paula. Paula oh, Paula pa- Dean. Paula
2: Deen. Thank you, Suzanne, for everything you do for me every day. Is that the message? Wait. Rachel once, and Adam knows this, Adam,
0: our engineer, called our show as a guest in that voice. She had missed the show and she was away in an airport and went and called in as a caller in that voice. I had no idea it was her.
3: Oh, my None.
0: God. That's great. It's great. So we'll be back talking a little bit more about gratitude when we return to the big payoff with Rachel and Suzanne.
2: Give it to me. I'm
0: Welcome back to The Big Payoff. I'm Suzanne and I'm here with Rachel and also Amanda Steinberg and Michelle Smith and our photographer who you may have heard Snapping away in the background, which is just goes to show you how important we are. I think whenever you have a photographer in the room, he's just a groupie for a radio he's, show. It's a groupie. He's it, a groupie for sure. I mean, Mike, he, Mike's a groupie. I think Mike, our new photographer, our hired groupie, but volunteered way. <laughs> to just do this all because he likes the show. So that's what you're hearing in the background. So let's, ladies, let's wrap up this. For me, there have been so many takeaways from our shows in the series together, and I'll just share one that was a really powerful moment for me. When you asked us about our earliest memory about money, I go back to that so often. Both Rachel's story and mine, which you can listen to, I think it was our second show in the series, What's Your Money Story? It was so powerful, and I really encourage you, and maybe Michelle, you can give people a tip or Amanda on how did how do people
2: uncover that story and you have a quiz that people can take right that was my, i was going to mention what is your money
3: type that was the most powerful moment for me and i taking gave it that to quiz. my daughters taking that
2: quiz
0: where do they get
3: that they go to moneytype.me that's a that's a domain name www.moneytype.me that was powerful what what are your big moments from this conversation
0: so much has gone on so much went down
4: <laughs> well i think these um Again, I call them reflexes. We have these ingrained behaviors that we are the only people that can stop them and let the new replacement behavior come in. And really going back to what's the first thing that pops into your head when you remember money. Rachel, your secret room yep. was pervasive in other yep. parts of your there life. A, and a,
2: Absolutely.
4: You know, so everybody's got what and, – and don't edit your memory. Yep. Let it come out and see how it's playing out and holding you
2: back right now. And once you see how your early money story colors your entire way of thinking and treating about money, it actually, you can't be unconscious again. It gives you more choices in your life. As Amanda said in a previous show, you don't change yourself overnight. You just open up the choices in those moments. Amanda, do you have a a moment?
3: Yeah, I mean really I'm just reflecting on when I started raising venture capital for Daily Worth about six years ago and one of the VCs said to me, Well, women aren't really interested in money. That's why they're not really engaged with money and why a company like yours doesn't exist. And then he said, Don't you just want to be taken care of? And I'm just um and I've had so many of those conversations over the years and I'm I'm just thrilled to see all of us having this conversation and unpacking why money has been such a taboo for women for so long and why it's a problem? It's so much of a taboo that my,
0: again, another early memory for me is if I, and I shared this on the show, I think if I asked my parents what they made, what their salary was, that was considered the most offensive question I could possibly ask. And so I think part of this is generational and I'm pointing to Amanda because it is great to have Amanda who's in her 30s in the room with us. So we have 30s, 40s, 50s. In this room, because it is changing. Things are changing. And I feel great that we're having a conversation which is moving
2: people to the new era. Can I ask a question of the two of you about men listening to this show? Because while we're talking about women and money, this is hugely important for men to understand. I mean, Amanda, your boyfriend, Jordan, had an idea for a book that I want you to talk about because this is this affects men. It's a great book.
3: Yeah, um, so how to he, he has written an outline for a book called um, How to Be an Alpha Male in a Post-Feminist World. And so awesome. Uh, yeah. It's so so awesome. Awesome. my favorite chapter title oh. of all the chapter titles was from Spectator <laughs> to Speculum.
2: I was
4: like, oh yeah. man, Mine I to read that. Mine was
3: Projecting text. Receptivity. That was <laughs> my favorite. Oh,
2: that's
3: project- <laughs> He's okay. a he's a philosophy professor at Temple clearly, University. Clearly, uh, and um, yeah, sorry, what was your question again? Um, Why should men listen
2: to this? What's the relevance of all of this conversation to men?
3: Well, I think because there's just a lot of tension in relationships because we were all taught that relationships are supposed to look a certain way. And then there's a reality that doesn't match what we're supposed to think we're supposed to be doing. So essentially we're living a lie. And that's really exhausting on both sides. So I hope men that are listening to this, you know, especially if you have perhaps a breadwinner woman in your life or you aspire to marry a breadwinner woman because you see all the excitement that comes with that. Um, that we are giving you some insights into the struggles that we're dealing with and hope that you understand we're no longer valuing you for your paycheck. We like you no matter what because of who you are. We can all make money together. And what size you are.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And for men who have daughters and sons, again, it's just it's showing these messages, not talking about them. But do you have a double, double standard for your wife versus your daughter? For What what are you saying? I mean, it's really important to be conscious as a man that girl, little girls and little boys are watching your behavior. And then to say to your daughter, you can be anything you want when you're not exhibiting that level of openness and respect in the house, that's a mind fuck. And for you little. have to
2: be saying to boys, you can yes, be anything you want on the other side of that equation. Right. Otherwise we don't have a partnership. That's right. So I think that we obviously this conversation could go on another ten episodes and might one day. But for now, it's the end of this four-part series, and we are sad, Suzanne. We
0: are sad. So Michelle and Amanda, thank you so much for engaging in this conversation with us over the last four shows, and we'll be back next week to The Big Payoff with Rachel and Suzanne.
1: If you enjoyed today's show and want to hear more from Rachel and Suzanne, you can follow them on Twitter at Big Payoff Radio and like them on Facebook at The Big Payoff. Our theme music comes from Penthouse Suites. Hear more at penthouse-sweets.com. Download past episodes and subscribe to The Big Payoff on the ACast app or at iTunes. And you can always find us online at BigPayoffRadio.com.